0: Hello and welcome to the Challenging University podcast with me, your host, Tony Kent. Now, how can you build a career in tech when you're facing multiple barriers to employment? And how do you participate in online training programmes when you lack access to a laptop or internet connectivity? Andy Kemp is today's guest and he is the Director of Partnerships at Generation UK and Ireland, an organisation that bridges the gap between education and employment, and helps people who are experiencing disadvantage to access opportunities that would otherwise be unavailable to them. In our conversation, Andy shares the truth about the narrow distribution of opportunities in the UK and Ireland, how Generations fully funded boot camps bridge the digital poverty gap, why classic education pathways are not serving current job opportunities, the value of putting data at the centre of social impact programmes, and why retrofitting is an enormous area of opportunity. To find out more about Generation UK and Ireland, head to the show notes. In the meantime, enjoy this episode.
1: Hi, Andy.
2: Hi, Tony.
1: Thank you for agreeing to come on the Challenging University podcast.
2: My pleasure. My big pleasure.
1: Now, I came across you and your organisation because it was a career in tech that actually transforms my life
0: Mm.
1: and when i heard about the work that generation does i thought oh definitely need to have you on so for the listeners today and the listeners to come could you please share your full name with the audience and what it is that you do
2: thank you tony uh yeah it's an absolute pleasure to be here I'm, i'm very interested as well very fascinated by what you're doing with challenging university i think it marries up um very well with the support we want to to offer as well. So to cover that, I'm Andy Kemp. I'm the Partnerships Director at Generation UK and Ireland. Um, Essentially, Generation exists to help people overcome barriers to employment and and launch new careers. How we do that is we run boot camps, as you mentioned, tech, predominantly tech boot camps, but other boot camps as well. And it's for people who either haven't had previous opportunities to get into the career that they want um or have had those opportunities be- before and have found themselves out of work at the moment um anyone that's struggling to get into work in the career that they want we're, we're here to help
1: fantastic and tell me before we get into some of the detail around how generation u k and Ireland yeah. operates, be lovely to know a little bit about what well, what were your experiences because you're helping kind of people mm-hmm. who may not have had a great experience in the education system, for example, or just not been able to access um some of the opportunities that other people have. What are your memories, reflections, recollections of that sort of teenage years, secondary school life?
2: yeah so uh, happy to share of course I, I grew up, <laughs> I grew up in a in a town in South Yorkshire called Rotherham yes yeah. quite a nice town uh, the school i I went to had challenges, but on the whole, I had uh, a very nice experience there mm-hmm. I, I I think and um it's a mix, really, of, of, of I think that um, certainly I wouldn't say a high percentage of people from there go to university, uh, but some do. Yeah. I found my reflections, especially when I think about when I've thought about coming on here, coming on Chinese mm-hmm. University, you know, why did I go to university? I didn't know any other options. I've really thought mm-hmm. back. And this, yeah. so it's about 20 years ago. Um, yeah. when I was finishing school and, and going into university. It felt like a given path. I couldn't tell you of any of her coming across another opportunity. I I mean, except obviously, you know, people can leave school at 16 and move straight into work. Mm. For me, I didn't feel like the school was saying anything else. I didn't feel like there was another option and it, and it, it certainly felt like the right thing. Interestingly enough, I went to university to do an economics degree and never wanted to be an economist and since yeah. haven't wanted to be an economist.
0: <laughs> so
2: it, looking back, it doesn't look like the right fit for what I yeah. wanted as much as, as which is, I had a perfectly nice time. And luckily, yeah. a career since that I enjoy. Um, but I fell into it because of no other option, really.
1: Yeah. That's really interesting to hear that as well, because a couple of guests that I've had on recently have talked about uh, cultural expectations for them around uh, for their families. Uh, Nana, who came on recently, said he's from a Ghanaian family. And they said to him, that's where you're going to go, whether you Uh, like it or not. (laughs) I am fascinated by kind of, yeah, the the different places that we grow up in and and what the expectations are and the options that are offered. how did you come to work at Generation UK and Ireland? I suspect you didn't start your career there because it's not no. that old, is it?
2: Well, no, very good point. Um, so Generation globally has been around now for almost 10 years. Generation in the UK has been here for four years. I've been here for two of those years in the UK. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. seen us through quite a bit of our growth um, after Yeah. <laughs> We were put on such good footing by the people who started started us out in the UK by my colleagues. Um, Post university, I had a mix of recruitment jobs, sales and marketing jobs, mix of different mix of different stuff. Yeah, like a lot of people, rethought my choices during COVID. What do I what do I really care about? And at the time, was discovering an area of I think social impact charity work that I'd not really explored before which was education and um, access to opportunities in education and the facts that I found out about that about how narrow opportunity is in the Mm. UK how Mm. how exclusively often opportunity is for certain groups yeah that I'd never really known about really struck me and Mm. generations approach to solving that which obviously i'll go on to explain just struck yeah. a chord i loved it from minute one from from yeah. from reading about it and um, how generation and how we go about helping people from meeting people at generation i was instantly taken by instantly thought this problem that i've come across which is the opportunity is not equally distributed this yeah. is a good this is a good idea to solve this that's what i yeah. that's what i instantly thought
1: Fantastic, and that times really well. And by the time this goes to air, um, the Social Mobility Commission have just released in the past few days, at time of filming, um, their State of the Nation report, which mm. very clearly shows that opportunity is absolutely not fairly distributed. And it's, I mean, it's a lengthy read, three hundred pages, mm. but it, it totally underlines that point. For people, and I think for people that haven't lived that experience sometimes you do need the fact to prove that there is a need Um, so I'd be really keen to understand how generation is kind of structured and how you are planning to or how you do go about solving some of those inequality problems
2: yes that would be great. And I haven't read the full report yet. No, I, I will, Me neither. I, I will admit, uh, <laughs> but it is, it is great to see it.
1: Yeah.
2: And I, I think that um, it's hard to track and improve social mobility. Things like that are needed to shine a light and to help people, um, help organizations understand how they can help, yeah. uh, for sure. How Generation operates is essentially our aim is get people ready for work and into work. Mm -hmm. so if I can break that down into a couple of steps essentially it's identify where there are jobs available and skills Mm -hmm. shortages got to start with the end role and what people are going to go into when we've identified that there is a need there are jobs available for people in a a certain industry there is a skills gap Mm -hmm. we essentially speak to employers in those industries who hire those roles to tell us exactly what is needed on that job yeah that is before we even get to designing our training or curriculum. I think the starting point for us is what will people actually do on in this job? Therefore, mm-hmm. what skills and training will they need yeah. the first day that they get there? So we yeah. actually build a training curriculum for people hand in hand with people who do that role, people who hire that role, and yeah. when it comes to, say, something like tech, technology providers who provide also technology in that space as well. Um, go
1: on. Yeah, no, you can see at yeah, the uh, I wanna <laughs> ask a question about this, um, but you just made me, and it is like the little light bulbs that go off because yeah. you hear, we have a shortage of cybersecurity specialists. We mm. have a shortage of cloud solution architects. And some people in power would say, well, the answer to that is to keep people doing maths until they're 18 years old those people aren't going to be available to the workforce for however many years so where are you finding your potential employees or program what 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 do you, what do you call the people that you take through your programs
2: yes yeah, so we call them learners we learners. always refer okay. to learners whilst people are essentially studying you know learning through our through our boot camps Yes. Yeah. You know, actually, if you look at the stats, there's as many unemployed people in the UK as there are vacancies. I mean, right. you know, that's not perfect. It, it fluctuates mm-hmm. a little bit, but it's, it's always similar ish.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I think what uh, what you deduce, what we deduce from that when we look into it is that be, many employ, and then if you couple that with the fact that many employers are still looking for skills and for jobs year on year on year and not filling jobs and actually yeah. speaking to companies like us or to government about not having the right skills, you would say actually classic education pathways aren't preparing people for the jobs that yeah. we want. You yeah. find that in tech, right?
1: Yeah. Math
2: is great, doesn't teach you how to be a solution architect, actually. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So um I think the point is, if we can find the right training for people and we can deliver that, there are plenty of people looking for work and wanting to work to fill the jobs that are available now. yeah Actually, as you say, how do we find them? Actually, going out and, and reaching people, showing them new pathways, is hard.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: The way that Generation have approached it, we've tried always tried to link ourselves in with groups that already support people who are out of work or looking for work yeah. in their in their community, in their yeah. groups access people through groups that already support them or they feel comfortable with so we essentially yeah. end up building just a really large referral partner network yeah that varies from a job center to a group helping single parents return to the workforce and yeah. if you can establish those links it's those groups that will actually give you I think uh actually give you access to people who are looking looking for work
1: yeah and that makes Perfect sense. And if I think about um, one organisation, Smartworks Charity, mm-hmm. one of their founders um, of the the Reading branch came on the podcast, and what they did was exactly that referral program. So they worked with job centres, who would refer them people who were looking for work had an interview but required some interview coaching and appropriate workwear, and so they fix that need in that way by going via groups that are already speaking to people who are struggling to access the job market. So,
2: Yeah, I think so. It's a a very effective way to go. Yeah, I would probably caveat that with, you don't necessarily find people who are inactive and Mm -hmm. we do want to find people that are inactive and bring them into job hunting, then thinking about generation or you don't find inactive people through job centres. However, Mm. you can through other community groups um, as well, because they might be getting support in other ways. I reference parents there, but as an example, parents get a lot of community support sometimes and may not have the confidence yet to be even actually engaging with the job market. So yeah, yeah, for for us, job centers are a big part of it, but Mm. actually it's been really impactful to develop a really just widespread
1: network. And something that I saw on your website, um, and it talks specifically about communities experiencing disadvantage. So does Mm. that determine where you run your programs, for example?
2: Yes, certainly. Um, We are very lucky, very lucky enough to be funded uh, to, to run the programs that we want from from a mix of places. Um, including the Department of Education, as an example, with Part of Regeneration to run some programmes and also um, corporate funders as well wanting to invest in in their local area. And those organisations always have targets that align with us on areas areas that we we should be looking at, I think. A good example would be big business in, in London that is aware of the benefit they're getting from being based in east london but the disparity in east london areas that have actually opportunity that people sometimes don't have access to so they'll look for us to target programs in that area so i think for 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 us it's hand in hand with the companies that that we work with to do it identifying areas that i think need support
1: yeah and so you are not solely london-based it's where i'm driving at as well
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah I quote London so at the moment we're based in the predominantly in big cities around the UK and Ireland Mm -hmm. it's a big aim of generations I think you'll see this from now and into 2024 with us is how do we also support people out of the big cities so you know in our first few years I think we're very happy with being able to reach we've got programs now that can reach about 50% of people who need it in the UK Okay. But that's that's another fifty percent that yeah. we can't reach yet, and that's yeah. basically because at the moment we are based in the West Midlands, we're based in the West Yorkshire area, the Greater Manchester area, um, mm. Edinburgh, and Glasgow, um, and across Ireland as well. And yeah. now, big aim for Generation is how do we take what we do and support people in other areas as well.
1: And talk to me about how the programs delivered then uh, if you and I know you train people into lots of different roles um, mm-hmm. but do you have a kind of can you give me a sense of how a cohort might typically engage with you and be supported by you
2: yeah for sure so all the book, the individual boot camp that an individual would access is profession mm-hmm. specific so yeah. you would you would pick your one
1: yeah. I want
2: to specifically be a data engineer or a yeah. cloud architect for example yeah that runs for a number of weeks um up to 12 weeks depending on the on the profession nine to five it's full time uh you know yeah. five five days a week it's intense yeah. Uh, yeah. i think it's a bit effective mm-hmm. and um essentially everything is taught online um, yeah. so we can provide the Uh, a laptop we can provide access to wi-fi we can provide space for people to work in but then it's all delivered remotely in a class of 25 people who you go through that full experience with for the let's say 12 weeks
1: yeah and that's something really important that you touched on there because digital poverty is Mm. a it's a, a real thing it sounds really glib to say that but again um there are lots of people that would say, but I thought everyone had a phone mm. and I thought everyone had internet access and and having like come from a family where you buy a pay-as-you-go card, I know that that is absolutely not true. And I think, I don't know what the stat was, I'll probably get this wrong, but maybe 10 to 15% of households, maybe even more, have no reliable internet access. So to hear that you provide that degree of support must be quite um, a game changer for the people for your learners
2: yeah very much so I think we've learned everybody's needs are different and you mm-hmm. have to be flexible in in, mm-hmm. in what you can offer you yeah. know a, a big one a big one a big one for us that I think has a real impact is yes we ship uh, and provide laptops um, as you say digital poverty is, is, is an issue mm-hmm. I'd say there are hundreds of generation laptops with learners at any one time around the country, people using them. But then if people can't study from home, if you don't have that right space, because it's a privilege to be able to have that space, it can have a real positive impact on somebody if they can then just access a space and get away from what might be a very understandably busy household. So a lower number of people typically take up the option for space to work from, but when Mm -hmm. they do, it has a big impact, I think, on being able to access the course as well.
1: And um, how do you take people through the process once they've kind of graduated from the boot camp? What, what happens then? Are they, as you mentioned, employers helped fund these programmes. Are they straight into an employer? How does that work?
2: Yeah, so employers have really helped us build the curriculum. So I think when you're entering, the great thing about Generation Programme, when you're entering the job market is you know You've Mm -hmm. learned the skills and the projects and the examples specifically needed for the roles that you're going to apply for. Mm -hmm. Then typically we have partners, employers who really care about supporting people into new careers, maybe from underrepresented and disadvantaged backgrounds. We'll Mm -hmm. partner with Generation to offer interviews and potential jobs to people once they finish the program. Um, at the same time we offer support for people to just go off and make their own job applications as well I think Mm. our belief is is the more active your job hunt can be the better so typically the average experience is you uh, finish your program apply for a couple of jobs with a with a generation partner and start Mm -hmm. applying for your own jobs with our help as well and we provide support for up to six months after the after the end of your your boot camp to make sure that you get a job
1: that's fantastic and, and what is that um because i read something about you kind of is i guess and i watched some of the case studies actually from generation around the world that had some oh, examples yes. outside of the uk and ireland but when you have i guess being given that opportunity given the training and then you are potentially placed into a corporate workplace which could be uh quite a alien environment to to be in how how do you support people through that process
2: yeah so you remain as I say in that six months after finishing the boot camp with a couple of close contacts with generation and essentially that's there to provide two things support for getting a job essentially employability support uh, and pastoral support so it's yeah. also to make sure we're still um, helping support people's needs um, yeah. as as they get ready for the workplace and in their first few weeks as well. Um, yeah. I think what I will say is with, particularly also with generation partners, that the majority of partners we have at this stage have hired from us before. And we've had really good yeah. feedback from learners about how well, how well that's gone. Uh, yeah. So we can be... Uh, sure and confident of the support that people are going to get when they're in when they're moving into work of course we can't know that with every company so we make sure we stay on hand so that people especially as you say in what can be a difficult first few weeks reach mm-hmm. back out to their um their team at generation who are providing pastoral care
1: fantastic um so you said in the uk and ireland you're four years old yeah what what have been because i know for any organization that i guess is doing kind of social impact work there will be some pretty tough targets that you hold yourself to and some stuff that you probably have to report back to the people that are investing in you um what, what have been some of the highlight things that you have noticed observed things you want to achieve next
2: yeah that's a good question um uh, yeah, I think I think it's really important that we're tracking the impact that we have and can have, the maximum impact that we do, and for that reason, Generation as a whole loves data. We love talking about data.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's data at the data at centre, isn't it? Yeah,
2: data. You have been reading. You know, I have.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're better
2: than I do now. <laughs> I very much appreciate that. Yeah, we've got a wonderful data team. They track so much stuff. We we always talk about our impact and report back on our impact on breadth, depth, and durability. Yeah. So we've even got a little catchphrase for it yeah. as
1: well. Yeah, okay. Yeah.
2: Breath I'm is.
1: A, mm-hmm.
2: I think breadth is, is essentially the number of people that we can reach and where we yeah. can reach them. Yeah. Uh, depth is essentially how many of those people get into meaningful careers, you know, mm-hmm. is, is the course is the courses having the impact that we want. Durability is what's really, I think, interesting to, to us at Generation at the moment, because that's about, is it actually developing into a career and a meaningful career over time? So durability yeah. would essentially be what's actually the retention rate. So we stay in touch with all people after our uh, programs yeah. and find out how well they're getting on. many people are moving on to the next role and what's really interesting is average income uplift so across all of our programs there's an average income uplift of more than three times um,
1: right
2: between three and four times and that really I think matters to us because what you want what we want to be able to see is that not only have people succeeded at one-generation courses compared to the alternative of not being on a generation course, yeah. what's the impact there? Um, and Because obviously a number of people would get into work anyway. Um, yeah. But for us, there's a real stark difference after a number of years uh, yeah. between between um, people being on a generation course, but then otherwise. And that's a real thing. That's how you really track your social impact.
1: And and do you have an eligibility criteria for people that uh, want to join your boot camps?
2: Long story short, no. And I'm very proud of that. I yeah. would encourage anybody in Generation to, to apply because it really is open for almost, almost everybody who needs us. Yeah. It's not based on experience or qualifications it's really based on intrinsics and motivation. And, and that is the, and I was going to give advice to anybody looking to join a Generation Bootcamp or wanting to do something similar. Yeah. The biggest factor is motivation. Um, yeah. Really, have you looked into that profession Are you sure you know what it is and that you want it and that this is the right move for you? Being I mean, able to demonstrate that is, has such a strong correlation with success. Um, from, from our point of view at Generation, You need to have the right to work in the UK because that's where the job will be. That's really about it. I I think, you know, we started out as a youth adult only focused charity and a couple of years ago, actually saw the data around people in their mid careers also struggling to get get into work. Yeah. You know, I, I looked at it and really came out with the opinion that well, our approach can help anybody. It's not based on your age. So yeah. we lifted our age cap. It's now people of all ages uh, accessing generation boot camps, um, as an example. So it, it really is open to everybody that faces real barriers to employment and needs us.
1: Yeah, and I think um, you touch on an interesting point there, because I think it might have been VMware, might have been, who had a gender imbalance in their workforce mm. and sought to address that by reskilling people from different departments. And they found that funnily enough, when you approach somebody and say, how would you like to do cybersecurity in as a you know as a change from being a financial controller or something or working in marketing administration? The uptake was really high, but people mm. had not seen themselves in those roles and did not know how to move across. Mm.
2: Um, yeah, then- because yeah, mm. you often don't know it until someone approaches you about it. We've got this mm. really fascinating course about retrofitting. Yeah. Do you know? Do you know retrofitting? Yeah. Yeah. So essentially, whole house retrofit is essentially the process of making a building more energy efficient in one go. Big okay. investment area for the UK there's yeah. a big skills shortage of people who know about it because it's such a new way of making our yeah. housing and building stock in the UK more energy efficient so yeah. we've got we've got a program a boot camp to train people up to be retrofit advisors right and it's got the highest proportion of people in their mid or later career right. than any of our other programs and the amount of people you meet on that program who they just care about the climate, care about the environment, didn't yeah. know how to get into it or how to yeah. get started because they've had other careers and, and they those careers aren't working out for whatever reason now mm-hmm. and um, really want to make a difference, make an impact and have jumped at the chance to change careers at, yeah. at whatever time in their career and, and have gone for that programme. So that programme's got a real high take-up from people in mid-career.
1: Wow. And I, I have to confess then, when you firstly said retrofit, and I was thinking, well, yeah, like when you retrofit something, you know, like you modify a car, but that is not what you're talking about. No. <laughs> yeah. No, this is a new <laughs> green, making our office space more sustainable, an existing office building. Yeah, and housing, housing stock,
2: and, and office buildings. So, both, if you look around for, say, whole house retrofit, yeah, uh, you'll see yeah. that there's a big, um, still in the relatively early stages, investment, yeah. but big investment from government to um, change all our housing stock. I mean, housing stock in yeah. the UK accounts for like almost thirty percent of our emissions. It, it's wow. one that kind of goes under the radar. Yeah, and, um, retrofitting of housing stock is. Yeah a big way of, of literally making a making let's say a home go from an yeah. e to an a like in one yeah. go and it's not an easy process but one that is going to be happening a lot in the uk in the coming yeah. years and we're helping yeah we're helping to fill the kind of um, skills shortage of people just knowing what it is and getting into that as yeah. a career
1: that's fantastic um right just making copious notes here um okay. as you director of partnerships yeah oh yeah 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 what does the ideal partner look like for you if they're going to work with generation
2: oh that's a good question isn't it (laughs) really 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 good question it is (laughs) i think that It's a hard question to answer because the honest truth is all businesses are at a different stage of the journey Mm. and there are businesses who aren't quite sure how to widen access to opportunities yet but want to and I think that's totally fine. There are uh, businesses who have worked with us for several years, hired dozens of people um, who otherwise wouldn't have access and have set up lot of support for those people as well. I think the ideal partner, if to be very honest, is an organization who has recognized their own uh, challenges mm-hmm. and is willing to make changes to be able to widen access to opportunities. Yeah. And that can be really simple things from changing the way that you write job adverts yeah. and where you advertise for them. You, remo- removing that you need a degree from yeah. a job ad when loads of them you don't. Two one yeah. from a great university, it's not needed for so, yeah. for so many jobs. So I think the ideal partner for us is just one that's recognised they need to make changes, such as those simple ones or bigger ones, to yeah. be able to widen the diversity of their workforce and wide, you know, increase the social impact they have.
1: Awesome. Um, and what's next then, Andy? What's next that you can talk about?
2: Yeah, uh, good question. So really next, tomorrow, is actually the launch of Generation UK and I's um social impact report. We're releasing the social impact report of the um support and we've given people and the impact we've been able to have over our first four years in existence. We're very Mm. excited about that. Really diving into it in such detail, I think shows us where we can go next. And one of the big things from that is understanding what barriers do people face and making sure that whatever barrier you face, you get the same um, experience and outcome from generation. So we've identified a wide number of barriers that people face, uh, and then that ranges from people being from an ethnic minority background and female the socioeconomic background we've talked about age it could be age and struggling to get into the workforce as well there's a real mix and actually what this report has shown is that most people a large number of people who who access generation courses actually face multiple barriers at once and what we need to What we already do a good job of, but what is really high importance to us is making sure if you face two barriers or six barriers or whatever they are, you still um, get the same experience from from generation. Um, How we do that is essentially getting to know those people and and their outcomes and their needs and making sure that our courses are as flexible as possible Mm -hmm. um, and provide for everybody. Um, On top of that, we've also touched on it as well how do we reach more people we're based in the big cities around the UK and what yeah. do what can we do to make sure that other towns and cities um, or, or even people from areas that aren't big towns and cities can access generation as well yeah. so that's they're the two they're the two things top of our agenda
1: fantastic um, I'll put links in the show notes on where people can find generation how they can yeah. connect with you um, a question that I do always ask, actually, which often gives people um, some really useful insights. So quite an open question is for you personally, what do you think has sort of held you in good stead throughout your career?
2: What's held me in good stead? Good question. Um. <laughs> It sounds like uh, I'm channeling LinkedIn personalities here, but I think it's (laughs) kindness. I think it's kindness. I'm going to go with kindness. I think there's a, um, you know, an old school, hopefully retired opinion that be to be successful in business, to be successful in roles, you have to be cutthroat. You don't, and 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 I tell this to people who. Um, are on our programs and moving into work as well particularly people that are moving into work for the first time kindness goes so far helps build relationships helps build trust helps build understanding particularly between people who are from different groups or different backgrounds so uh, that's the way I've always tried to approach things and it's the first thing that springs to my mind when you ask that I think just being kind to everybody
1: yeah, and I I reckon actually, given you've got you know background in sales, you worked in recruitment too, yeah. Um, and I've also worked in those environments a long time ago, and I think there was an a, a time an old school view that, yeah, you had to be had to be cutthroat. But the people that I remember most from my career, the people that were genuinely good, nice people. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah I think so and if you work in say recruitment or sales yeah. actually it's authenticity and yeah. trust that get people to not only work with you once but work with you again I yeah. think um cut, a cutthroat nature might feel like it works one time it doesn't build any kind of stable relationships I think being kind and being authentic is what turns a job into a career
1: yeah oh look at that see soundbite that's a soundbite that's a soundbite um i've absolutely loved having the opportunity to talk to you and learn more about what generation does um we'll be putting you on the list of helpful organizations on our website and uh well i look forward to hearing the outcome of your report thanks andy yeah
2: absolute pleasure thanks so much for having me really good to talk
1: welcome